Hey there, friend. Welcome to the podcast today. A cross-pollination, a synergy, I would say a veritable synergism. It's a special kingdom crossover episode with a couple of great kingdom content creators. Thanks for connecting today. Glad you're here. I'm Brian Del Turco. You're connected with Jesus Smart, the podcast, episode 210. Stephen Lauterbach of the Despite Popular Belief podcast and purveyor of ManifoldMinistries.com has pulled together this unique Kingdom crossover episode. He's in the mix today. Also in the mix is JCL Falto of the Writer's Lens and Narrative Wars podcast. Well, we think you may pull away some strong thoughts, we hope, that could uh, benefit you and add value to you and your life uh, this holiday season, as well as coming into 2022. Doesn't that sound futuristic? Today, we'll be touching on the Western Church. We'll be pontificating (laughs) about political agendas and how to speak the truth during the holiday season. Maybe, maybe not. And stick with us till the end and you'll get a chance to hear burning, flaming, hot take questions on what we would like to ask God. Okay, so we hope you enjoy this a special Kingdom crossover episode. You can explore the show notes page for this episode at manifoldministries.com. Let's get right to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Despite Popular Belief. We have a really cool Kingdom Crossover uh, special event we're doing today. Uh, We have two of some very cool content creators. They've been good friends uh, to me, I think it may be for a couple of years now. Time is flying, but we have with us today Brian Del Turco from Jesus Smart, the podcast, and we have JCL Felto from the Writer's Lens podcast, as well as Narrative Wars. So guys, welcome to the show, and maybe you guys can give us a quick uh, little synopsis of what your show is about. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Um, yeah, first of all, this is awesome. I'm uh, really excited to be doing this with you guys. So this was this is some good uh, synergy, I think, um, for Kingdom yeah. content creation. Uh, so, so thanks again. Uh, so, so yeah, JCL Felto, the writer's lens and the narrative wars, uh, the writer's lens is more my primary podcast where I look at, uh, storytelling and thematic elements inside story and, uh, primarily just really searching for truth and story because, uh, we are storytelling, uh, beings. Uh, we got that from the storyteller God. So, uh, that was big part of my inspiration for wanting to do that podcast. Cause I love stories. And then the narrative wars is a bit of a, a derivative off of that, where I talk about narratives specifically, whether they're counterfeit or whether they're trying to seek the truth. So uh, if you want more controversial content, you can find the narrative wars. Uh, mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> so yeah, people will probably be clicking that more. So, or if you really like uh, an- analytics on uh, writing and storytelling, then you can head on over the writer's lens. So thanks, Stephen. Awesome. Yeah, How about Josh. you, Brian? Josh, you're creating some great content there. Yeah, Jesus Smart is uh, an attempt to uh, say that Jesus knows how life works best. He's the ultimate intelligence, the ultimate designer. He's restoring all things. The future belongs to him. But in the meantime, that's how life works best. So today we released an episode with uh, Dr. Julie. This is an example, Dr. Julie Slattery. And it was about marriage and it was about women, how women have a unique power to create intimacy in their marriage, not just sexual intimacy, that, but also 
just intimacy in a broader sense. So, you know, marriage, finances, education, society and culture, of course, theology, all that kind of gets mixed in there. That's great. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate running with you guys as content creators and Stephen for pulling this together. And it's great to um, run with some content creators. That's right. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I've been excited to, been looking forward to this all week, uh, actually. Um, we're going to be talking about church, a little bit of politics, uh, talking about the holidays. So this is really uh, an angle that Christians should at least be talking about. And uh, hopefully uh, through our discussion today, you guys will have a little bit of encouragement uh, as we wrap up the uh, yet another crazy year. How many times have you heard that? <laughs> so why don't we start out with uh, with this first point here uh, and what you guys think, uh, what story is the Western church telling? Now, JCL, you're the story guy. <laughs> well, I think, first of all, it's probably best for me to kind of start at the beginning of my own church experience, at least in an organized sense. Um, for those who don't know, Stephen, on your uh, podcast, um, I'm I'm not like a newbie newbie around the church, but I've been in and around the church for about 10 years. Uh, so I'm uh, 37 now, and um, I didn't really come to know the Lord till my late 20s. And, um, by then I had caused a lot of damage, uh, in terms of relationships and all kinds of stuff. And so when I came to the Lord and I was brought into the fray of the Western church and I got to see what church culture was like, um, it, first it was a lot different than what I thought it was from being on the outside. And then secondly, it is the deeper I got into it, the, the more ugly it seemed <laughs> in, in many cases. Uh, there was a, there was a mentor of mine who actually told me, he said, the deeper that you get into the church, uh, the more disappointed you might actually become. Hmm. Um, and he said, uh, that's, uh, that's honestly not anything against the Lord. Um, it just goes to show you the brokenness of man. Hmm. Um, so, uh, I've always remembered that as some nuggets of wisdom, if you will, um, in my church experiences and my wife and I have been involved in a couple of different churches. We've been involved in church plant. And for me, my story inside of the Western church has been, you know, grow as big as you can be there on Sundays. Um, you know, try to get plugged in with life groups. Uh, it seemed to me that it, it becomes difficult to really create those intimate groups, out of those big, big church models, um, because uh, it, it just seems the bigger that they get, the harder it is to really dig into those really specific things like we would be talking about on this podcast. So um, that's kind of been my my experience. Is that a is that a good kickoff for you, Brian, to, to dovetail off of? Yeah, sure <laughs> is. I, I, I don't know. I An initial thought is that the story is that Jesus has a great plan for your life, plus you get to go to heaven someday. And the Jesus has a great plan for your life part in its extreme form is almost like a um, personal life enhancement, mm -hmm. you know, using faith, using mm -hmm. even kingdom principles for personal life enhancement. And, and it's actually a faith that is not so much Christocentric as it is man centric, mm -hmm. you know, and we don't want to admit that we wouldn't say that we would maybe disagree with it, but, and, and this is a generalization, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one weakness that I see in the Western church, of course, very materialistic hmm. consumer church, you know, hmm. what can the yeah. church do for me? What has the church done for me lately? Yeah. Hmm. I, I think the self-love movement really took root in there for that very reason. 
It's like, mm. I gotta focus on me so I hurt less people. That's mm. the lie. That's the narrative. That's the agenda. Mm. And that was a big, big infiltration. I, I would say the past two years, while while we have this uh, politicized virus going on um, out in the real world, out in everybody's world, it's like everybody started saying like, oh, what if I... What if I took this time to improve myself? It's like, how many people said, what if I took this time to get closer to God? Mm. Yeah. And, you mm. know, they mask it with those, you know, phrases like uh, self-care yeah. and, and things of that nature. I'm not saying stop taking care of your body. Your body is a temple to the Lord. Of course, yes. Mm. Um, including nutrition, taking care of yourself. Yeah. But like, I, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen it before. You know people that got roped into it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, it's a time to do some work on yourself, and that can be good, but it can it can be too too much. It, it, what is the self love movement? Is that is that a proper movement? Is that an actual movement? Mm-hmm. It's and I hate saying this term, but it's a hashtag that floated around you know forever uh, on social media forever. Well, the past couple of years, as it kind of ramped up, it's it was an anthem. I would call it an anthem that I just saw as a repeated theme on social media, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, I know social media is not, you know, the whole world, but like we see people we go to church with talking about self-love and posting those little inspirational pictures with text uh, that says, you know, I got to take care of me and, and sorry if I don't text back right away. I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I'm this kind of way and you should accept it because I got to, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it right there is that you have to accept me, not just for my faults, but my faults won't change. Hmm. You know, my faults are never going to change because this is who I am. This is how God made me. So you just have to deal with it. And that is not the the message that Christ gives. I mean, his message is about transformation. It's about renewal. It's about restoration. I mean, it's, it's not, you just get to stay how you are and now become guiltless you know, of, of all of your, your problematic, you know, issues. No, it's, you, you have to take those things before God. Now that's, that's the whole point. Um, yeah. And that's really in many ways, like Brian, you were saying, uh, the church being kind of man centric, uh, that seems to be kind of the way it is. I mean, I was sitting at a, at a table for, uh, this evangelist, uh, evangelistic, um, uh, group study I was in at one time. And, somebody who was not a believer turned to me and said, isn't Christianity just about like behavior modification? Like that was, that was a legit question. And I, and I kind of looked at him and I was like, well, what do you mean by that? And he goes, well, you know, it's just really about like trying to change your behavior because Mm -hmm. if you change your behavior, then, you know, you're going to lead a probably a better life. And I, and it's, it's kind of like that surface level understanding that really permeates itself throughout a lot of, you know, the Western church and, hmm. uh, you know, that self-love concept is right in there, Stephen. I, isn't that like becoming then a works based faith? It's, it seems like if I, if I can, if I can change these things, if I can do these things, or I just need to do these things, that is, yeah. that's works based. I was, mm-hmm. I was going to mention that for like Western church is like, that's another element, unfortunately, that I see over and over and over again is where, where is that transformation, Josh, that you were talking about? Like, where's that transformation where Christ is, is making you a new creation? Like mm-hmm. you're being sanctified. Yeah. You're receiving the righteousness of God. 
Uh, yeah. Like, why are why are we not grasping those concepts when we're listening to preaching at our churches? I mean, mm. they're very clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we have to be real, like really intentional about our own Christ following and our process of becoming Christ-like. It's not works-based, is it? It's not our own effort, but we do have to, for example, hope this word doesn't sound bad, but practice spiritual disciplines. Sure. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we do need to pray. We need scripture intake. We need times of solitude, you know, fasting even. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, anybody pick up the COVID-19, you know, the 19 extra pounds? Um, <laughs> then yeah. I had COVID and I started losing it all. So that's, that's, that's good. <laughs> but spiritual formation, becoming Christ-like. And, and there's, there has to be like taking up our cross, right? Mm-hmm. following, denying ourselves, Jesus said, he, he who wants to follow me must take up their own cross, which is an instrument of death. It's kind of hard to get into self-love if on, on your way to really dying to yourself, right? Yeah, amen. And, you know, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow after me. The mystery and the beauty in that is that Second Corinthians five seventeen: if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passing away. New things are coming. And you actually become the real you more and more through that, you know, your identity in Christ and, and, and the real you, that new nature in you, in your personality and temperament, but that new nature, you're becoming the real you. Yeah, that's that, good. That the Lord sees. Yeah, that's really good, Brian. I mean, the the real you concept, um, I think, escapes a lot of people. There was a uh, there's a metal band uh, a couple years back. They've retired since, um, but for today, well known Christian metal band, and they they had this song on one. I think it was their first album. It was "Strive for the High Strive for the Higher Standard," and it was about. I loved that word "strive," striving mm. for that higher standard. It felt like such a good description of like the Christian walk. That like mm. while you're striving, you will be failing. You will be failing. But you're striving, like, mm-hmm. it's just that hunger. I don't know. I, I love that imagery. Um, mm-hmm. Man, I miss that band. <laughs> yeah, like Paul saying, pressing towards the mark of the high call mm. of God yeah. mm-hmm. in, in Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, know that, that the whole self-care, you made me think of this too, guys, was um, in self-love, self-care. I mean, you set the rules, right? Mm-hmm. You get to set the rules and, and what is what looks mm-hmm. like improvement for you. You know, I mean, you, you yeah. get to, you get to dictate when you have to take a time out, you know, from whatever it is that you're doing or, uh, and again, that's not right. I mean, you're not supposed to be the purveyor of your, your morality in some sense. I mean, it's, you know, that's for the Lord to work you over with. So mm-hmm. there's all kinds of just flip floppy kind of theology there. That's just wrong. Um, yeah. and, uh, it, I guess it is kind of a sad thing that, I, I don't have any problem sharing this. I mean, I have family members that will often send me things who are not Christians. They'll send me things and go, Hey, would you agree with this? And it, it's just some like bogus theology from some church leader in some state. And it's like saying things about how, you know, Jesus really didn't really didn't sacrifice all, you know, or something like that. And, and you just kind of like shake your hand and go like, how did these guys get behind a pulpit? You know, wow. like, how did these dudes get there? You know, it's, wow. is somebody not like screening these people before they get up there and 
church. <laughs> well, I guess if they're telling people what their itching ears want to hear, wasn't that, isn't that Second Timothy? I mean, I, that's mm. why the pulpits are full of that stuff. He must be saying mm. other stuff that people are feeling good about. It makes me yeah. feel nice. I think I think that we need to really understand that this is more about God than about us. Mm-hmm. I mean, Frank Viola is helping me out with this. I'm starting to get into some of his content where he's dealing with this. This story that we're caught up in, it's not our story. God's after a purpose, and he has a story he's pursuing. Now, we, we, we do have a life story, but it's subservient to that, right? Mm-hmm. It's, meant, it's meant to be caught up in that. But I think too much of Western Christianity makes it a whole lot about our story. Mm-hmm. And it's like our story gets so big that it kind of eclipses. But we're not even thinking that God has a a larger purpose that, that he's pursuing. That's mm. even bigger than getting you to heaven. Right. Mm. It's even, it's much bigger than giving you a great life destiny. We're redeemed and we have the privilege of being caught up in that. Frank Viola is saying we need to become very conversant with, you know, the first half of Ephesians and the first half of Colossians, understanding God's deep purposes that he's pursuing. And uh, for example, in Ephesians one ten, it says that, he is going to sum up all things in Christ and administ- with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, a summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. The verse before that talks about the purpose of God, his kind intention, you know, mm-hmm. so it's not, we're, we're too big mm-hmm. in our, we, in our thinking, we're just too big. Mm-hmm. And that, I think in that same instance, Brian, too, like, like I think of the parable with Christ talks about the guys with the ta- the master and, and the servants who are supposed to take the talents. Yeah. 10, five, two and one. Right. Like, have you ever read that story and said to yourself, I would want to be the one who's given 10, you know, I, I would want to be the one that is given the most responsibility. Like okay. the master trusts me the most. Yeah. You know, with the, with the most of his, of his stuff. I know, you know, I read that story so many times and a lot of times the focus ends up being on the guy who only had one. And basically the master was like, dude, like, what did you do? You buried it. What were you thinking? Yeah. And that ends up being kind of the focus of the story. But I remember hearing a, a, a good sermon on that saying, don't forget about the other guys. I mean, they did what they were supposed to do. I mean, they were given the allotment that they were yeah. responsible for. And yeah. didn't question it. They did exactly as they were supposed to. And it didn't matter if they were 10, five or two, but at the same time, should we strive to be that one that God says, you know what, you know, I, I, you can be responsible for all of this because I know I can trust you with it. I know you're, you will be obedient with it and he's rewarded greatly for it. So, mm-hmm. so there's also that sense of it, but I, I don't know if people really feel that way, you know, mm-hmm. like they don't necessarily, you know, maybe the expectation is not, is never met or, um, you know, we don't feel like, Oh, I could never be that person that's given all that responsibility, or I could never be that individual that, you know, God looks at and says, you know, you know, you're my guy or you're my gal. I think, doesn't it say there that he gave them like each according to his ability? Yes. He gave, he gave the one five, he gave the one two, and he gave the one, mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. each according to their ability. I mean, we're built for something. We're designed with a certain capacity and we have certain abilities that God has mm-hmm. given and which we are responsible for, but he's expecting us to invest and to multiply and to expand and not get into hole digging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a great point. And I think that actually is a great transition for uh, the next question here uh, in terms of responsibility. Um, do you guys think the world is out discipling the church? Short answer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. I want to ask a question. Is is the Pope Catholic? Is the Pope Catholic? <laughs> no. Is Martin Luther a Protestant? Yes. I think the world is out discipling the church. So what are some things that you guys have seen uh, that are are just well out discipling uh in elements that the church is just not keeping up with. Yeah. Do you have any like specific things you've sure. observed? I mean, sexuality is a big one right now. Gender and sexuality and yeah. the whole mm. thing of what marriage is and gender and sexuality is massive. And Dr. Julie Slattery is, I don't know if that phrase, when she first mentioned that phrase, when I first heard that phrase, it was from her in the past. And I don't know if it's original with her, but I've been attributing it to her constantly. I, I say this everywhere. I, any chance I can get, I talk about how the world system is out discipling the church. But mm. one of the the reasons is like a swamping effect. It's just time. Like if you look at like generations of children coming up or even adults, how many inputs do we have from the world and how many inputs are coming from the kingdom mm. to our life? Yeah. Mm. Just in terms of time. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like if you take a kid who's in school for say 30 hours a week and then you pile on top of that social media time and movies and music, and then he's in church for 90 minutes on Sunday morning and maybe he's in church for 90 minutes on a weeknight program. And maybe the family's doing some discipling at home, but more than likely it's not quite happening like it should. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, you can do the math. What do you guys think about that? I don't know. I, I just feel like we have to be, Come very intentional about discipleship to counteract it. Yeah, I think the screen time is like one of the biggest competitors. Uh, everybody's on their phone. I mean, I'll be the first to admit, I'm on my phone a lot. Uh, I have to be on the phone a lot for work. But yeah. then, like, it is so easy to just check a few things while, oh, I got it out. Let me just check a few things. Okay, okay. Yeah, how many hours do you have your eyes in front of that stuff, yourself yeah. and kids? Um, how many How many hours do you have in front of Scripture? Like, how long are you in the word? And that's, you know, aside from 90 minutes at church. Sure. Yeah. But like, what's your daily routine uh, for scripture? And like, that's hard discipline for an adult nowadays, it seems. Yeah. What's that like for a kid? The kid requires an adult for some disciplines. I mean, adults need to really, hopefully we can model something different. If we were to take the time we spend with screens and just have a sort of a standard that I'm going to have an equal amount of time in the word and prayer that would be transformative. Yeah. It, it, it would totally like be a total antidote to any of the screen time that we're getting, you know, not to quantify it and make it legalistic, but we understand the issue that, listen, I hear, you know, I, I hear this idea sometimes bantered about like somebody's very busy. So they get in their car and they pray for five minutes on the way to, I'm thinking, what, <laughs> how, if I tried that, I would be dead by sundown. I, I would feel dead by sundown. Mm. You know, I can't, that is just not going to meet this moment. We're going to have to do better than that. Mm. Does that sound legalistic? I don't want to sound legalistic. No, I, I, I don't think it's legalistic. I don't think it's legalistic. It's it's something to contemplate. It, do, it really does make you reassess uh, your time management. Like, mm. it's, the, it's the only discipline you have is that you go to bed in time so that you're not tired at work. Is that the only discipline you have in your life? I mean... Hmm. What else can you be doing? Not not you know not workspace, not achieving, but the the spiritual disciplines. What disciplines are we practicing to honor God, and then we're producing spiritual fruit because of it. Yes, hmm. I'm so challenged by it. You know, like today, for example. I mean, normally I'm pretty good about making the top of my day time in the Word and prayer. 
today I thought I had too much to do. So I just got right after it. Mm-hmm. And I tried to get into the word and prayer late afternoon before supper. Um, it was like, you know, the Browns level of play recently. <laughs> it was kind of like that. <laughs> the Cleveland Browns football team. <laughs> I, so there's something about the first part of the day. Mm-hmm. It's just inescapable. I, I, you know, there's just something about that first fruits. And, and then things tend to work better. And then, you know, you can be a little bit in a spirit of prayer throughout the day. Then it's easy to offer up a sentence prayer here or there as you're doing something or, you know, facing something or deciding something. Hmm. If you have that window locked down in the morning, I hope that doesn't sound legalistic. I, I've had mixed, you know, mm-hmm. I've had personal mixed results with my, um, what I'm talking about here, but no, that's good, Brian. That's good. I, I mean, I'm a first thing in the morning reader. So, yeah. you know, I, that's definitely something I've tried to adopt. It's harder now with children because sometimes they, they don't sleep longer than me very, very much. So that can be challenging. Yeah. Um, but I think you just, I think it's just part of life where you just learn to pivot a bit and, you know, God has some grace in there for you. Yes. Uh, yes, yes. And it's, uh, and it's nothing to beat ourselves up about if we can't necessarily get to it right away. Um, but in the same sense, there is that gradient of, you know, you will start to notice if, you know, you haven't been in the word or you haven't been, uh, engaging with, you know, community like you should be or, or yeah. loving, loving your spouse. If you're married, you know, loving your spouse, yes. properly. Yeah. you'll, you'll begin to notice those things. Those things will almost kind of creep up out of nowhere. So it's those kinds of things that, you know, you kind of have to become cognizant of, you know, in your own, you know, just kind of self-awareness. Jesus said to go out and make disciples of all peoples, teaching them everything. Uh, I'm with you always, you know, that's, that's a big assignment that that's a big meta assignment that he's yeah. given us, you know? Mm-hmm. So how are you guys discipled? How, how are you discipled, uh, Stephen? Mm. Mm. Oh, that's a good question. Um, that's actually something that I've had a difficult time with this past year. Uh, I a lot of my friends that are believers are online. They're online friends. Uh, in terms of personal friends, I just don't have a whole lot that uh, I can be, I don't know, having deep theological discussions with. Um, I feel comfortable sharing the gospel in public places at work, um, out, out in, out in the wild. Um, that's not spooky to me. Uh, but I have missed, I've missed having like companionship like that in person. Uh, mm. recently started, uh, volunteering at, at our church and that's, that's helped a lot. Um, mm. when I'm just like giving some of my time and, uh, things I know how to do, helping helping the church i've met people that are on the team there and yeah, those sure. those friendships have been great i get to see what they excel at um that that's inspiring to me um they yeah. ask me how my family's doing i ask them how their family's doing so like that's a that's a new development recently in the past couple months that that i've okay. been having mm-hmm. those kind of relationships but i've been missing out on that for so long yeah well covid is kind of really put a lot of friction on a lot of that, hasn't it? How about yourselves? How about you, Josh? Yeah. So I would say I'm pretty aggressive about my social circles. 
So, um, you guys might be able to attest to that. <laughs> I, I, I can tend to be kind of aggressive about reaching out and staying in touch with people. You're a very uh, sociable person. You are. I, I am, you know, that's how, that's how, that's one of my, my capabilities, if you will, one of my abilities. Within you the need body. to go, you need to go into sales. <laughs> <laughs> that sanguine, no. uh, Probably a good idea. Yeah. Let's <laughs> go tell my boss. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but like uh, when it comes to discipleship, you know, I, I think I never am at a loss for, um, I guess, just the propensity to learn. So I'm always open to learning from people. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm okay with learning and I'm okay with learning from someone who's younger than me mm. as, as opposed to just someone who's older than me. I think sometimes we kind of get goofy about that and we think, well, oh, the person discipling me has to be 15 years old, you know, my senior, you know, that's the only way I'm going to learn anything. And it's like, yeah. well, that person could also be two years in the Lord and you could be 15 years in the Lord yourself. And that, you know, doesn't really make any sense. Back when I first got married, uh, you know, I was discipling two separate guys, and then it was like, right after I got married, it was a time less for that. And I kind of had to, I actually had to pull away from that a little bit. And then having kids, I had to pull away from that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I do kind of miss doing that one-on-one, you know, meeting up with somebody, getting to know them and, you know, right. getting yeah. to work. But some of that's been supplanted by just being in groups through church. Kind of like Stephen, like you had said, like volunteering and being in groups. Yeah. You kind of get a, a grander swath of people, but, but to have like a, a set of like two or like one person that I definitely engage with regularly that I say is kind of someone I, I seek out with for wisdom. Mm-hmm. I, I'd, say, I'd say I have a couple people that I can reach out to with that. If there's people that are looking for wisdom that might reach out to me. Okay. There's a couple guys like that that I could say, honestly, Yeah. Um, that I dig in with. But, but I'd also, I'd preface all this by saying that I'm pretty aggressive. You know, like <laughs> I, 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 know, <laughs> I, I don't just sit back and wait for the prey to come to me. You know, I, I kind of, I, I, I take on a much more predatorial role. Not predatorial. Wow. That is aggressive. <laughs> yeah. The lion doesn't eat unless it chases its prey, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So it's just, just, just some words to live by. I don't, I don't think that's scripturally accurate, but I, but I think <laughs> it has some practical yeah. applications. Well, it does, it does convey your intensity. That's for sure. <laughs> But I, but I just, but I think that like, okay. So for example, not to belabor this, but Eldridge, okay. is one of my favorite writers. Okay? John, yeah. yeah. John Eldridge, one of my favorite writers. He, uh, one of the guys in his boot camp team who passed away a couple years ago from about with cancer, yeah. they were talking <clears throat> on one of his podcasts about discipleship and being intentional. And this gentleman who got up there and uh, was talking about his relationship with John and how John mentored him. He said, you know what? John chased me down for a long time. And I didn't want to be discipled by him, but he was very persistent because he was like, you know what? God put you on my heart and I know I'm supposed to disciple you. I know I'm supposed to. He felt it was an assignment for him. Yeah. He felt it was an assignment for him. This gentleman then said, you know what? After a while, he's like, I kind of succumbed (laughs) to (laughs) to John's persistence. Point is, is that after he did their relationship just blossomed, you know, and it was a little hard of call, you know, it's not all rainbows, obviously. But he just said, after we really dug in with each other and I was willing to give him the time that he want that he desired, that I was like, yes. fine, whatever, you're so interested in me. I guess we can yep. hang out some more. The growth was there. Mm-hmm. He goes and helped his marriage, you know, helped his other relationships. And, yep. Yep. you know, it's, it's, it's stuff like that, that, 
it's transformative. Yeah. Yeah. That's the transformative part that, you know, we kind of had started off with that, you know, we should be after. So I just yep. thought that's a really good example. Yeah. I don't think Jesus ever meant for Christ following to be done in silos, you know? Yeah. Mm-mm. For sure. It is the community of faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brian. You've yeah, been... I... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think it can be both digital and analog. You know, I think that there can be connections and like I'm part of a Friday morning guys group that's represented re- representative of, well, it's five guys and we're representative of five different churches. It's not like it's a group from one church, hmm. which is cool, but it's more clustered around an affinity of kingdom interests and things we're questing after. And, hmm. and, and, you know, we have a group, Josh, sort of a writer's group, isn't it? But it's become a whole lot of other things. <laughs> <laughs> it has. It's morphed over the years as, as necessary. It's I think we've lost our founding mission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of kingdom clusters. You know, I think that micro is powerful, like in terms of like a kingdom architecture, if I could put it that way, I, I, I kind of see like kingdom clusters that are connected with each other and that fit into the larger body of Christ and that even fit into local churches. I think there's some new wine, some new wine architecture maybe that that's emerging. And you guys feel that way? I don't know. I see it as a kingdom trend line right now. And of course, it's yeah. not just me. I'm hearing, I'm hearing from voices about this, you know? And I, th- I, I do believe, though, at the very crux of it all, there's still a real desire for that one-on-one digging in, learning yeah. about the Lord, yeah, yeah, um, being challenged. Yeah. That is just a must. You know, I, I just, it could be a group of three, you know, it doesn't have to be just one-on-one yeah. necessarily, but getting bigger than a group of three, getting bigger than a group of, you know, like that, I think is, it would be it not necessarily as ideal unless it's like a group group, like you're saying, Brian, but that really, really, foundational piece where, you know, Jesus would go away. Yeah, he'd be by himself, but he also had his, he had his really inner circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had, the, he had the inner three, right? Mm-hmm. Well, first he had John. So there's mm-hmm. that one-on-one thing with John. John was called the beloved disciple and he seemed to have a special affection with Christ that was mm-hmm. even above Peter and, and James. Mm-hmm. And then there was Peter, James, and John, the three, mm-hmm. and the 12, and then the 70, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even larger, but that's some kingdom architecture right there that should speak to us somehow. We should see that. I think with the new year coming up, I know it's so tacky to come up with ways you want to, you know, improve yourself. (laughs) This is something that people should consider, I think, uh, getting back into those uh, one-on-one personal relationships uh, for discipling. It's something that I... I miss. I want. I want that. I don't know if yeah. you guys haven't thought about it in a while. Consider, consider it. You That's need a good it. point, Stephen. Yeah, really. And you know, we 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 don't have to do. We don't have to make all our life changes on the Gregorian calendar, January first. You know, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. we could we could take an approach of like four ninety day years. You know, we've we've, we've heard that from like the business world. Mm-hmm. Every quarter, look look for look to be catalytic and look for new things every quarter, maybe, or every like winter, spring, summer, fall season or something. Talking about approaching the end of the year, we have Christmas to go still. Um, just that holiday in particular, we're going to be around family again. I'm not sure how your guys' Thanksgiving went. Hopefully it was somewhat drama free, but politics, is just something we, we live in it. It's going to come up in discussion. You could try to avoid it. It's in everything. So, how, as Christians, should we be discussing politics, uh, let's say, at Christmas? This We'll call it round two because we had our practice at Thanksgiving. Hopefully it wasn't a disaster. 
Because you don't want to, like, stir the pot when you only see these family members, what, like, maybe six times a year, tops? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in one sense, there should be experiences and celebrations and, like, in terms of Christmas, a Christ focus that transcends these things. Yeah. So I avoided current events on on my show for a couple of years because it was a massive dread for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But people were constantly asking me in uh, direct messages, like, what are your thoughts on this? Or they'll send me articles. What do you think about this? Check this out. Okay. And I I noticed Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, there's a massive gap in, in the content. People need to hear a Christian stance on things that are happening in the world. And I realized it cannot have my head in the sand. I, I didn't have my head in the sand. I, I knew what was going on. I just wasn't talking about it. So recently started talking about it. I came across Ephesians 4, uh, verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So speaking mm. the truth in love. So how can we discuss these um, extremely polarizing things that are happening around us how can we discuss them with people that are going to disagree with us mm-hmm. uh, we, we have to convey the truth in love so christians arguably are truth seekers they want to know what the truth is and inevitably mm. you you end up at god you find god god that's the big that's the quest okay. who, is, who is god is god real and once you discover wow there is something spiritual here um who is God? Who is this God of the Bible? You start to learn the history of the Bible and how it was preserved through all these years. And people say, oh, you can't trust, you know, this one book. Oh, good. All right. It's it's actually 66 books. So uh, it's not one book. So awesome, uh, which gives it even more credibility. And yeah. <laughs> it's like we seek truth. So we, we, are pro- we can provide truth when we yeah. proclaim the scriptures, when we proclaim God. We have to also speak truth about reality. You know, all all truth is God's truth. We we we're we're truth professors, so we need yeah. to say those things. We have to talk. Yeah, Paul Paul wrote to Timothy that the church is the ground or the foundation of truth. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Greek, I think it says it's like the church is the mainstay or the foundation of truth. Mm-hmm. So we are part of the ecclesia, the church. So you're saying that we're truth seekers. We're truth purveyors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I am the truth, he says. Nobody comes. I mean, truth is ultimately a person. Yeah. Mm. It's a member of the Godhead, ultimately. I mean, that's a critical point you're making there because there are people that say things like personal truth. Well, if Scripture says Jesus is truth, there's no such thing as personal version of Jesus. There's only Jesus. You have your, you have your truth. I have my truth. What's your truth? Speak your truth. You know, it's ridiculous as if there's no one absolute truth. Right. There's a lot of of rappers out there who think they're the truth though. So that's, 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 I've heard, I've heard that many a time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they think that. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of journalists who think that, and a lot of professors and a lot of everybody else who thinks they're the truth too. So what are you saying, Stephen? Are you saying that we should give ourselves permission to speak the truth in love and, and even in family settings? Or I, I think so. I think remaining silent when somebody is just, you know, expressing their point of view on something and, and okay, let's say it's secular, 
providing a Christian point of view is, is a way that we honor the God of logic and reason. God created yeah. these ways for us to think and form thoughts and observe truths. So why don't you use some of those tools that God designed? Speaking truth about science and stuff honors God too. Like, how does yeah. it not? He is the scientist. He created the boundaries that, that create elements that we can observe. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. We should talk about it. And there's a time, I think Proverbs says that, you know, words fitly spoken are like apples of gold, you know, mm-hmm. and settings of silver. There's settings and right times to say things and the right way to say it. And mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit can help us with that. He is the spirit of truth, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, we, you know, we come out, First John says that there's a spirit of truth and the spirit of error. error. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable. I've often had to bite my tongue in a lot of different family gatherings mm. in my in my own aggression for yeah <laughs> told, told to pull the reins back a bit on some yeah, no. predator man you're, you're the predator you got to hold it back I know I know yeah it's it's bad well you know I I, I blame this on the spiritual gifts test mm. that I've taken a few times and, <laughs> and I, every time every time I take it. My spiritual gifts are knowledge and wisdom and discernment. Mm. Yeah. And so, uh, or no, teach teaching is usually up there as well. So it's just, it, maybe it's just the nature of the universe, the way God made me that it's just like, <laughs> I'm ready to just embark in this. I don't even know what's going to happen, you, but you can blame it all on your spiritual gift set, man. <laughs> God made me this way. I'm not changing. That's okay, right. Exactly. Hashtag self love. <laughs> don't, but yeah, but I, but I think there is like, there certainly is that reality that we are, we are supposed to be truth seekers. And I, mm-hmm. I believe that that's because once you start sacrificing that, I mean, it kind of, it kind of goes hand in hand with truth and love, right? I mean, you, you can't adequately love somebody without the truth, right? Like you can't love someone unless yeah. you have the truth. And, you know, unless you're telling someone the truth, you can't really love them. You know I mean? It's, just, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of a, it's, it's just a reality that the way God made us, you know, will, I could admit this, I believe any, you know, rational adult, you know, even in their sin could admit that the more that you lie about something, the more you have to create more lies. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the reality. Yeah. It just snowballs itself. It's not yeah. something that happens once and then it's over with. No, now you've, you, you think of it, I've often thought of it this way, and I don't know if this is really accurate or not, but in my head, it makes sense is the moment you lie, you almost create like a fracture in your reality where okay. it's not, it's no longer part of the, the, your forward motion. <laughs> like it's, it's this, it is this space now that you have to create, you have to keep creating all the time. It's going to take all this energy out of yeah. you because you yes. false thing you're trying to create that will eventually collapse in on itself. Yeah. I mean, cause it's like, if I were to tell, uh, if I were to tell a lie about one of my brothers and just, you know, say something, <laughs> you know, Oh, my brother, you know, he, you know, he beat his dog, you know, or something like that. Cause I was mad at him for some reason. I make this up. I now have to run with this, you know, unless I'm willing to fess up that it is a lie. Right. Like, well, uh, who was it who said, I don't know who said this, but, um, if you always tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't remember who that. I don't know who. Yeah, that yeah. Was. Ironically right. enough, I don't know who said that. But, but it's it's like when you start to lie, it's not real. It's not real. You create this sort of fractured reality yeah. that you're now you're now having to vote so much energy to. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's not true. 
You know, it, it's not true what's happening. Yeah. And it's going to have to, it's going to take a lot of effort for you to undo that. First of all, well, it's like a house of cards, you know, it's like a house mm-hmm. of lies that you build mm-hmm. inevitably, eventually it will collapse. Yeah. Well, it's like, um, that but it's not real. Yeah. It's like that TV show. What is it? Breaking bad. Yeah. Yeah. Just continuously, continuously lying all the time. And I'm, I'm still trying to recover from that show. It's interesting that the, the Greek word in the New Testament for truth is it, it also means reality. Mm. I'm told the Greeks did not have two words like we do, truth and reality. It was just aletheia or aletheia, however it's pronounced. Mm. It's translated as truth, but they also used it for reality. That's mm. cool. Truth is reality. And so mm. every time we lie, it's like you're saying, we're just we're trying to create a hole or tear something in the reality mm-hmm. spectrum that that's all around us and trying to create some kind of a false thing. It's, it's, it's like gender. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. There's, there's 56 genders or something. Right. It's I was just going to say that mm-hmm. there's two. Yeah. <laughs> there's always been two. There will always be two. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, it, it and, and you can say it as much as you want, but it's not true. Ah, yeah, when you're when you're like catering to somebody's fantasy of of a reality that's just not scientific, mm. catering to somebody's fantasy is lying. That's not loving them. Man, you mm. got to draw the line here somewhere. Like either something's true or it's not. Again, it yeah. gets rid of the personal truth crap. Send that mm. junk out of your house. Get that crap out of here. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, and it says in Romans one, you know, they suppress the truth. Yes, you know, they they tried to suppress it. Mm-hmm. But it's like trying to take that beach ball. Did you ever take a beach ball in the ocean or in a big pool or something and hold it underwater? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't do it forever. It's going to come flying up and flying out. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's like that with truth. It, it it just comes back up. Yeah, comes back to bite you in the rear end. That's why for these like gatherings and holidays that are coming up, there's obviously some tact to be taken yes. into account, you know, yes. that, uh, you know, hopefully none of our, none of the listeners on this are getting the idea that they have to sharpen their, their swords, no. you know, walk it into right. Christmas or yeah. uh, the new year or anything like that. But, but I think, you know, I, I think it's an opportunity to, you know, pray ahead of time, pray for opportunities to first share the gospel with an unbelieving family member. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many of us, pray before we meet with family. Yeah, that's know, good. That's, that's a good you know, point. Don't know the yeah. Lord and, and just say, Lord, you know, I'll just, yeah, because, you know, the double-edged sword is that if you, if you aren't being prayerful about it, then, you know, something that wouldn't have hooked, that could hook you, yep. you know, that could be a really bad conversation could get you. And, um, you know, trust I've, <laughs> I've been in those situations a lot where I should have been praying before <laughs> I got into a conversation with somebody and it backfired, yeah. you know, definitely backfired big time. And you, that's when you do walk away from it going, Oh my gosh, like I do that. And you know, the conviction comes and well, yeah. I'll get him at the next at Memorial day. You know, I was... <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're right, Josh. It, it's like, I don't always need to say something. Uh, this is something right. I'm trying to learn. I don't always have to say it at that moment. Mm. Maybe it's for later. Maybe it's just something I need to pray about. You know, maybe. Uh, so I guess <laughs> tactfulness and discretion should be utilized too. Yeah, no, it's a good point. It's a good point. Let's end on this question here. Our own greatest questions for God. Maybe if each of you could just give us a question, a great question that you you would like to ask God. Ooh. 
Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> I got uh, yeah, I thought about this. Um, <laughs> like, God, why are you so hidden? Mm. And why do you take so long for justice and things? Don't you want to show yourself? Don't you want to act more quickly on, on situations like, let's mm. say, in a country or in a family or anything? Yeah. Um, it, it just shocks me. He will reveal himself, and he does reveal himself now, of course, but not like a wholesale revelation of himself mm. to the world yet. He will, but that amazes me about him. I, I would say, um, well, I, I kind of have two questions. Sure. Is First of all, is you know why he withholds certain things? I guess justice could be one of those things in there. Like why, you know, and for what duration does he withhold um, in certain areas of, I guess, personally my life, but also in sort of a grander sense, uh, why he might withhold on certain things? And then also, I'm just curious. I'll ever get to see the tape at the beginning of time. Mm. I'm kind of. I've, I'd always. <laughs> those first few lines of Genesis man are just mind benders. And I just, yeah. I'm wondering if I could ever get a recording of that when I get to go see him face to face, like, Hey, yeah. show me what that was like. I'd be really, I'm really curious. Yeah. I want to know what that was like. So yeah. Yeah. How about you, Steven? I had one that was kind of similar to yours, uh, Josh. And, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like once, when I get to heaven, it's going to be the last thing I'm concerned about, but like, mm-hmm. what, how does the ice age fit into the timeline um, if, if we believe, if we believe, you know, that the Genesis, uh, hmm. story is telling us that things were spoken into existence. So like the earth would be approximately 6,000 to 10,000 year old, um, you know, as of right now. So like, how did the ice age fit into that? So I got all this propaganda and scientific crap, you know, trying to explain about evolution, this and that. And I, I'm not interested like God, <laughs> What happened? Like, how how did that go? And uh, anyway, so that one is kind of like it's it's not even going to phase me. I'm sure when I'm in heaven. But I've I've wondered for years and years and years. Hmm. Does prayer change God's mind? Scripture wow. Scripture hmm. is telling us that God is never changing. Um, but over and over and over and over again. Oh, look at the story of Moses. How many times did he pray? Yeah. To God, don't destroy Israel. Remember your covenant. Why Why do we need that exchange? Why do we need to pray for something that's already decided? God was going to preserve those people. So, like, I just, I'm not grasping what prayer is for. I believe in prayer. Don't don't be scared <laughs> that I'm, like, <laughs> um, deviating. No, I, 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 I know the Bible tells us what prayer is. Jesus taught us how to pray. We have the Lord's Prayer, but like, does prayer change God's mind? Like, what is that tool? Mm. What is that tool? What, do what are think? we doing? Mm. What, what's your best answer right now? The, the best thing that I can think of, because I do believe in predestination, um, but I don't, I don't think I'm a robot. Like, mm. so that's a free will discussion. But what I think of it right now is that prayer is used to um, grow us. Uh, connect us to God. If I'm being honest, it, it sometimes it feels like nothing. I'm just, I know I'm talking to God. I know He hears me, but I'm 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 praying to Him, and I just don't I don't feel interaction. Um, yeah, I believe mm. it's happening, but I don't feel it. You know, I'm human. I'm a human being. Sure, so, sure. Mm. I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I feel that way. Some when I pray too, most of the time, maybe in. You know, I'm thinking of the scripture in Hebrews. It says, he who comes to God must believe that he is mm. and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Mm-hmm. You know? 
So there is that faith part. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I think, well, what I think and what I feel a lot when it comes to prayer is, you know, sometimes you get that kind of like almost tingly feeling when you yeah. pray as though like this one's extra special, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like this is that extra special prayer where you just, right. you're, there's like a level of honesty that is being exchanged Okay, that, uh, you know, maybe you hadn't before, but I, to your point, Stephen, about does, you know, does prayer change the Lord's mind? Um, I, you know, to me, I always, I'd love to have a free will discussion someday, by the way, but, uh, (laughs) but like we have to respond in some way to God's pinging of us Mm -hmm. because he's seeking us, right. You know, he's seeking us. He wants relationship with us. And so, when we in, coming out of our mouths, these prayers and, you know, things that come out of us, like if it's just selfishness, then, you know, the interaction is going to be very dim. Mm. You know, if it's just, if it's very much just for our own benefit, Yeah. but if it's something that, you know, the Holy spirit is trying to work through us and, uh, you know, ultimately help others. then I almost, I almost get this strange, like it's a response, you know, it's like a recognition and that almost puts us more in alignment with what God is trying to do with us mm. really kind of opens our eyes a bit. Maybe mm-hmm. we go into prayer, praying in a certain, like a certain prayer vector, mm-hmm. but as we're in there, the Lord adjusts it a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and says, I want to do that, but here, you know, let's, let's pray about it this way. And, 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 and let's also deal with your heart, Brian, and your motivation and your attitudes mm-hmm. about this too. Cause I, I really do believe that. And I, cause I've experienced this in my own life is like, you know, how many times in prayer do you go before the Lord and go, all right, Lord, I'm just going to leave myself open right now. What do you want to talk about? You know, like, what is it that, you know, you want to make known to me that mm-hmm. I, I don't know what is hidden, you know, like to your point, yeah. you know, what is hidden from me? Yeah. And cause it's very easy to think of prayer as like immediately I have to get in and say something. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of having a posture yeah. more so of, okay, I, I'm in the room with you, or I'm, I, I just, I'm approaching the throne very, mm. very softly. Don't, don't, you know, not that he's going to bite your head off, but just the sense of who he is, yeah. you know, which can sound very, I, I know that can sound cliche to a lot of Christians, you know, mm. like, Oh, know who you, who it is when you approach the throne. Do you have that? You know, do you have that reverence um, in prayer? I think that's really important. Not easy, easier said than done for sure. Yeah, we run in with our our list, our scripts, mm-hmm. and, and that's okay. There may be some things on there that he does mm-hmm. want us to bring up and address, but your your point is well taken. We should really come in with a sense of the fear of the Lord, maybe, mm. and a healthy respect. And mm. Lord, what do you want? Like I, I heard somebody say this. This I feel this is so good. They say, you know, seek to pray the prayers that he most wants to answer. What are the things that he's like right now most interested in and, and, and that he most wants to answer? Pray those. Mm. Try to try to quest after that first, at least. I heard I, I heard a great a teacher say, um, pray like a good Jew. Mm. You know, a good Jew appe- appeals like like Moses. The time you, you mentioned, Stephen, when God comes and says, OK, get out of my way, Moses. I'm going to kill them all. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start mm-hmm. over with you, a new nation. Don't mm-hmm. it's almost like it is like actually when you read it, it's like God saying, Okay, Moses, just don't try to talk to me about this. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. And Moses, um, he doesn't he's totally selfless in his prayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if he was prideful and he would have said, Oh, great, I'm gonna be the I'm, I'm the man. He's gonna start over with me. 
he appeals to God's integrity. What will the nations think, God? Or, or you know, to his reputation and to his glory. Yeah. What will they think if you do this? Hmm. And it's appealing to God's like purpose and glory and his name. And God changed his mind. Hmm. It, by all accounts, it seems like he changed his mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless, unless he's just acting it out. I don't think he's acting it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think he's, I don't think he's faking, you know, that playing around with Moses. I, it's a good question. Does God change his mind or, or, or can we, do we have a friendship and partnership with him that could change his mind about something? It's a good mind bender. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> I'm like trying to figure out how to wrap this up. Like coming off of that goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I love hearing your guys' input on that. I, I trust your, your biblical counsel, too. Um, I'm still going to be thinking about that. Well, we hope you enjoyed and benefited from this, uh, shall we say, small cacophony of sorts on these topics in this special Kingdom crossover episode. I appreciate running with these guys, these Kingdom content creators, and I encourage you to explore and maybe subscribe to the Despite Popular Belief podcast with Stephen Lauterbach and also the Writer's Lens and Narrative Wars podcast with JCL Falto. Go see ManifoldMinistries.com, the purveyor, Stephen Lauterbach. It's a small guild of Kingdom content creators, and you can catch the show notes page for this episode there. Thank you. Thank you for passing this episode along to your friends and contacts. The best syndication is always your personal connection. Jesus is brilliant. Walk with him and you'll catch his brilliance in a unique way. He knows how this life works best right now. Talk soon.